I want you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Philippians 4, verse 4. And let's pray together. Dear God, I thank you for the word today, Lord. I thank you that your word is so powerful, and I ask today that you would just make it real in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which translates all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This morning, I want to continue my series entitled Unstoppable, Unstoppable. And if you recall, on Easter, we talked about the fact that we have an unstoppable hope because God is an unstoppable God. And because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have a hope that cannot perish, spoil, or fade. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, In God's great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. Everybody say living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So our hope comes from the resurrection. Our hope comes from the fact that Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, we can face every day. Because he lives, we can face even death, and we can laugh at the grave because we know that we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And last week, we talked about possessing an unstoppable faith, and I want to remind all of you that you can watch all the sermons again. You just go on to our website Or you can download the app and you can watch the sermons, you can share the sermons, and you can keep up to date with all the things that are happening at Bethlehem. But Peter goes on to say, this inheritance we have is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Paul tells us that we're shielded by faith, that we are to put on the full armor of God and we're to put on the shield of faith so that we're able to extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. And the writer of Hebrews says, we look unto the author and finisher of our faith and that we're to see everything in life through the eyes of faith. Paul says, we walk by faith and not by sight. 
And that faith becomes to us a shield. It becomes an anchor in our life because we put our faith in God. We put our faith in God's word. And by faith, we keep pressing on. By faith, we keep on pressing through. By faith, we keep on running our race with courage, with perseverance, with confidence, with consistency, and with commitment. Faith is the key that unlocks the door of God's blessing and miracles in our life. Faith is the key that unlocks the door of miracles and God's blessing in our life. We cannot please God without faith. We cannot live for God without faith. And what is faith? Faith is what? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith is vision. Faith is, is the ability to be able to see what other people cannot see but what God sees. Faith is the ability to understand that God can move mountains in our life. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God can move a mountain in your life. But this morning I want to talk about possessing unstoppable joy possessing unstoppable joy that's right I want to tell you again that you can have joy in your life that you can have a joy that goes deep beyond any situation in your life that you can be a joy filled person that no matter what is going on in your life it is God's will for your life to be filled with joy unspeakable and full of glory. That it is God's will for your life for you to walk in joy, to live in joy, to possess such a joy that Peter said it's unexpressible. You can't even explain it, but it's there. God wants you to live in joy. I want you to turn to your name and say it's God's will for you to be happy, so smile. That joy can be your strength in your life. As the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Now listen, here's what 1 Peter chapter 1 says. Listen again. And I want you to follow it. Peter chapter 1. It's, it's amazing. 1 Peter chapter 1. And the Lord showed me the progression of joy in our life. That Peter first says that we have a living hope. That through the mercy of God, notice what he says, praise the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection. We have living hope. And into this inheritance that can neither perish, spoil, or fade, this inheritance is kept for us in heaven. So we have an inheritance that cannot be destroyed it cannot fade, spoil, or perish. But notice, we have a hope, and that hope is shielded. Notice what he says. And through faith, everybody say faith. faith. This hope and this inheritance is shielded until Jesus comes back. It's kept for us through the shield of faith. Now notice what Peter says. Now, in all these things, you greatly rejoice. Why? Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials, these have come 
so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined in fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. So Peter says in the most difficult, difficult situations in our life, in the darkest moments and seasons of our life, through the fire, through the rain, through the pain, and through everything that's going on, every trial of our faith, though, look what he says, though you have not seen him, you love him, even though you don't see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with inexpressible, glorious joy. So Peter says, even though you have not seen him, you believe in him, and because of your faith, you are filled with deep, undaunting, unstoppable joy in your life. You are experiencing gladness. You are experiencing a song in your spirit that no one can take away from you. Where? Right in the midst of your suffering. Where? Right in the midst of your painful experience. Where? In your fiery trial. In your sickness. In those unexpected set of circumstances that are beyond your control. You have unstoppable joy. It sounds almost way too good to be true. Pastor Steve, what have you been smoking lately? You mean to tell me when I'm going through difficult times in my life, I can still have joy? You mean to tell me when the doctor tells me that I've got cancer, I can still have joy in my life? You mean to tell me when my husband walks out on me, I can still have joy in my life? You mean to tell me that when there's not enough food in the cupboards and there's not enough money in my wallet, I can still have joy in my life? Yes, I'm telling you today that joy is not the same thing as happiness and you can have joy no matter what you're going through in your life. Come on, somebody. Because hope, I want you to say hope plus faith equals joy. Hope plus joy or faith equals joy. That's the ingredients of a joy-filled life. That's what Peter says. Peter says in 1 John, because you've got unstoppable hope and because you've got unstoppable faith, you can have unstoppable joy. Come on, somebody. That you can be filled with unstoppable joy. Now, I want you to know the reason why so many Christians don't have joy in their life is because they're placing their hope in something other than Jesus. The reason why so many Christians don't have joy in their life is because they're placing their faith in something other than Jesus. But Peter tells us that we can we can experience unstoppable hope, unstoppable faith that is translated into unstoppable. He says joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Now, the truth is, how do you, how do you possess that kind of joy? 
Well, we first got to understand that joy is not contingent on what is happening in your life. You see, happiness is contingent on what is happening in your life. That's why they call it happiness. Happiness. Because it's contingent on what's happening in your life. So if good things are happening in your life, you've got happiness. Because what's happening is good in your life. That's the root of the word, right? Happiness comes from happenings in our life. And so when there are things that are happening in your life that are good, you're happy. When there are things that are happening in your life that are not good, you're not happy. And you know what? That's natural. That's normal to have those emotions in your life. We're not talking about being in denial. We're not talking about being heavily medicated. That when, that when, when the doctor tells me that I have cancer, I'm not happy about that. I'm not happy when I don't have enough money. I'm not happy when I go through trials in my life. But happiness and joy are two different things. Happiness is contingent on what is happening. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Joy is something that God puts inside of you. Joy is impossible in the natural, but all things are possible in the spiritual. Come on, somebody. I mean, how do you love somebody unconditionally? How do you remain controlled in your life? How do you have faithfulness in your life? How do you express and display gentleness in your life? How do you display the fruit of the Holy Spirit? You're filled with the Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit, you can have love, joy, and peace in your life. It's not from you. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's not from you. It's not from your flesh. It's from the Spirit. Come on, somebody. So many people are looking for happiness in what may happen in their life. If I can only get more money, I'll be happy. If I can only date and marry that beautiful girl, I'll be happy. If I can only get that new car, if I can only get that race that I've been hoping for, if I can only get out of this fiery trial or this valley in my life, if my husband would do this, if my wife would do this, if, if my wife would meet all my needs, then I would be happy. Then I would be able to sing. Then I would be able to rejoice. But joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as long as you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, as long as you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you can enjoy, you can experience undeniable, unstoppable joy in your life. And then the joy of the Lord becomes your strength in whatever situation you find yourself in. Then the joy of the Lord becomes the anchor to your soul. It becomes the foundation of your life so that no matter what the devil throws your way, no matter even if he throws you into the fiery pit like the three Hebrew boys, you can still dance in the fire because you've got the joy of the Lord deep down in your heart. Hallelujah. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart today. Hey, my daughter Janine used to think I only had the joy on Tuesday. So she used to sing, I've got the joy, joy, down in my heart, down, where? Down in my heart, where? Down in my heart, Tuesday. 
said, no, you can have it every day, not just on Tuesday. So when things are good, we can rejoice. When things are difficult, we can rejoice. When we're going through a big, major problem in our life, we can still rejoice. Even when we're going through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil and we will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I mean, listen to me, history, the Bible is filled with people that were being martyred for their faith. And I'm sure they were not happy. I'm sure Paul the Apostle did not get up on the day that he was going to be beheaded and said, I'm happy they're going to take my head today. But he had a joy in his spirit. I mean, history will tell you, read the, the book of martyrs, Fox's book of martyrs, and people were actually being, they were being burned to the stake, and they were singing and praising the Lord. When they stoned Stephen to death, he was filled with joy. He wasn't happy, but he was filled with joy. You could still have a song in your heart, friends. Don't ever let the devil steal your song. I said, don't ever let the devil steal your song you can still experience unstoppable joy in your life and if there's one person in the bible who shows us how to have joy right in the midst of a really bad happening in his life it's paul the apostle and paul gives us a vivid picture of what paul the apostle went through in his life as he writes it in the epistles in fact first corinthians chapter 11 Paul tells us at the peak of the bad experience of his life, he tells us what he went through. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to what it says. As an apostle, I have worked really hard, much harder than anyone else. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely I've been exposed to death over and over again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. They were only allowed to beat you 39 times. And he was beaten four times by the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. Not once, but three times. I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in dangers in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep, but I have I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and I have been naked. Besides everything else, Paul the Apostle is like, dude, I've gone through all this stuff. And besides all of that, I face the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who, who is weak? He says, I do not feel weak. Wow. <laughs> he says, who is weak? Who is depressed? Who is anxious, who is bitter, who is fearful, not me. He says, I'm still strong in the Lord. Paul tells us, I've been through the fire, I've been through the rain, I've been through the darkness, 
I've been through the very darkest moments of my life, but I remain unstoppable in the joy of the Lord. And I love the book of Philippians because Paul tells us in the, in the book of Philippians what he was going through and how you and I can have peace in our lives. So I'm, I'm looking for a couple of uh, volunteers. Let me see if I uh, see anybody that would really love to volunteer with me today. Um, Peter, that gentleman that walked in this morning, I think he ran away when I asked him to volunteer. Do you see? There he is. There's the gentleman. Come on up here, my brother. Yeah, I asked one of my brothers to come up, and I need one more volunteer. I, I need one more. Let's see. Somebody want to volunteer? I need, I need somebody to volunteer. Um, um, wait a minute here. Wait a minute here. Mm, I'm, I'm looking around here. Um, yeah. Brother, you right there. Come on up here. Yeah, yeah. Come on up here. Come on up here. Yeah, you're just so kind to volunteer. You're just so kind to volunteer. Come on up on the platform, brother. Come on up. What's your name? Orlando. Orlando. Yeah, Disney World. We got it, brother. And what's your name? Marlon. Marlon. Yeah. All right, Marlon. How you doing? Good, good. Marlon, what do you do for a living? Uh, I work for a private company doing um, executive driving. Executive drive. You want to be my driver? I can use a guy like you. Nobody's going to mess with me, brother. Absolutely right about that. Hallelujah. And Orlando, what do you do? Real estate, affordable housing. Real estate, affordable housing. Well, I want you to know, guys, that... Um, uh, put your hand All right. Marlon. Mar I don't know if I could fit this on your wrist, Marlon, but we're going to try it. <laughs> Paul, the apostle is in prison. Paul the Apostle is in prison when he writes the book of Philippians. Paul the Apostle is placed in a dark, dingy, rat-infested hole in the ground called a prison, a dungeon. They hated Paul. They despised Paul for one reason, because he preached the gospel. And as a result of that, they actually chained Paul, listen to me, not for an hour, not through a service, but they chained Paul the apostle to a Roman guard. You're Paul. And you the man. And if this dude gets out of line in any way, you just punch him. I mean, just punch him. And if you don't like him, make him wait to go to the bathroom for three hours. And you know what? I don't like the guy. There's just something about this guy I don't like. He's a Jew. And we're Gentiles. We're Romans. And we are the ones who dominate the world. And this guy's making trouble everywhere he goes. So you make sure this guy, he learns his lesson. So go ahead and sit down over there and you make sure that he learned his lesson. All right, guys, I feel bad for you. Let me get the key. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Honey, I forgot a key at home. <laughs> I can't find the key. <laughs> and Paul the apostle is chained to a Roman guard. The Romans hated the Jews. They despised the Jews. Could you, for one moment, come on, come on, with me for one moment, could you imagine being stoned until you bled, till your head cracked open? Could you imagine being flogged by the Jews and beaten by the Romans? Could you imagine being shipwrecked for the gospel three times? Can you imagine going without food, going without clothing, being despised by everyone just for one reason, because you are a preacher of the gospel. It's in this context, folks. Listen to me. It's in this context that Paul the apostle says to us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in the Lord. Are you going to be good if I let you out? You're going to be good. Going to behave yourself? This poor guy, this is the first time he ever came to church. <laughs> All right, brother. Let's give these guys a huge hand for being great sports, man. Orlando, you are an awesome sport. And I want to thank you for doing that. There's three, there's three free tickets to Disney World in the back for you. But notice what Paul says, because this is so powerful. He gives us the secret to joy in our life. In fact, you would think, you would really think that, that somebody would write a letter to Paul. He's in prison. And somebody would encourage Paul. Somebody would write him some notes and visit him in prison, right? But instead of people visiting Paul, Paul sits down and starts to write to the church of Philadelphia. He starts to write to the Christians. And, and, and listen what Paul says. This will blow your mind. Here's a guy. He's, he's chained to a Roman guard 24-7. He's in prison. And notice what Paul says. Verse 3. Of chapter 1 of Philippians, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's praying for them. He's not crying. He's not feeling sorry for himself. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. I always pray with joy. How many of us can pray with joy in the worst situations of our lives? But Paul tells us in Philippians that we are to rejoice in the Lord always. He tells us to give thanks to the Lord in every situation. He tells us never to allow the sun to go down on our anger. He said, don't let a root of bitterness spring up lest you defile many. He says, everything that happened to me has happened to advance the gospel. He says, don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Keep your heart pure. You can do all things in Christ. You're more than a conqueror. And all things work together for the good for those who love God. And he tells the church, don't let anyone steal your joy. Don't let anything rob your joy. Don't start grumbling. Don't start uh, Don't start. 
uh, complaining, don't start blaming other people, but keep singing. Don't stop believing. Don't stop rejoicing. Even in the hardest times of your life, you can still experience unstoppable joy. Now, I want you to know that Philippians chapter 4 gives us the secret to unstoppable joy in our life. So kind of let's unpackage this for a few moments, and then we're going to close. You ready? Verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1, Paul tells us, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice in the Lord. These, these are commands from Paul. Paul is not saying you have an option. You could either complain or you can rejoice. Paul is not saying you've got an option. You could either grumble or you can rejoice. He commands you. He says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Nowhere in the scriptures do you find this but one place. He doesn't say don't murder somebody. And again, I told you don't murder anyone. He doesn't say don't commit adultery. And I told you, I'm telling you again, don't commit adultery. He doesn't say, don't steal. And again, I'm telling you, don't steal. This is the only place you find in the Bible where Paul says, listen to me. You need to rejoice in the Lord always. And let me say it again. Keep on singing. Keep on rejoicing. Keep on believing. Keep on having joy in your life. Come on, somebody say amen. And so this is actually a command of the Lord. It's not a suggestion. He says you can choose to rejoice. You can choose to give thanks to the Lord. You can choose to glorify God in every situation in your life. You know, we need to confront people in the church. We do. I do. We need to tell people, stop complaining. Stop grumbling. You know, when somebody starts to complain to you, tell them, stop that. Oh, what are you talking about? Are you holier than thou? You need to say, stop. It's a sin to grumble and complain. But we don't confront people. We should confront people more in love, but we should tell the people the truth. That every time you grumble and you complain, you're speaking words of death over yourself. And there's power in the tongue to bring life or death, right? So, you know, the church, we ought to, we ought to confront people from time to time and say, stop complaining. Not rejoicing, not refusing to rejoice in the Lord is actually a sin. In fact, not only should we confront people about sin, but we should also tell them that it's going to destroy their life. We should tell people you need to learn how to rejoice in the Lord because it's really the secret of joy in your life. David said, I put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness in my life. And so some people, they really do, don't they? They suck the life right out of you. I mean, there are some people, they suck the life out of me. There are some people on a Sunday morning, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't mean to be rude or anything like that, but boy, boy, right before I'm going to preach, I avoid them like the plague. How you doing, brother? This is wrong with the church, and that's wrong with the church. I'm like, Praise the Lord. Father, strike him right now with joy. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, how you doing, sister? Oh, boy, I got to tell you, the devil's all over me, and I'm just, I'm just miserable, and I'm just... <sighs> okay, I'm going to go preach now. <laughs> you know, some people, they just suck the joy right out of you. 
You know, and the next time somebody tries to suck the joy out of you, just smile. Say, man, it's not that bad. Come on, let's rejoice in the Lord. You know, grab them by the hands and start dancing with them. <laughs> you know, let's, let's rejoice in the Lord. You see, the truth is that God has given us a song in our heart to pull us out of depression. So what does it mean to rejoice? Listen, it means that you choose to be joy-filled in the power of the Spirit. It means that you choose to be joyful instead of giving in to discouragement. It means you choose to allow the Holy Spirit to fill your empty heart with joy because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It means that we need to be filled with the Spirit on a daily basis. You know, Paul the Apostle tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's why Paul tells us in Romans chapter 14 that the kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, but it's about, listen to me, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That, that this world is not about all those temporal things that give you a buzz for a little while but then makes you more depressed but it's about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the word rejoice actually is an action word. It means you choose to give God thanks no matter what's going on in your life. You choose to rejoice in God and give God the glory. So how do you bring glory to God? You know, the Bible says in everything you do, bring glory to God. Well, let people see that you've got joy in your life. You know, the truth is how do we glorify God? Think about that. How do you glorify God? You know, some people are very proud of their fathers, and they brag on their fathers, right? Man, my father is just awesome. You know, I heard a story about these three kids who were bragging about their father. So the one, the one boy, they were at lunch, and the one boy said, hey, my father, my father is an architect. He's got a really good job, and he, he does a job, and after he does the job, he works several hours. He gets paid a lot of money for the job, and wow, it looks, you know, he gets a big paycheck, the next boy says, my, my dad's a doctor. My dad, he does surgery. I mean, he, he does incredibly difficult surgery, and, and he'll, he'll be working in the operating room for 10, 15 hours, and, and then he'll get a big paycheck. The next boy said, my dad's a preacher. He's a pastor. He scribbles a couple of things on a piece of paper. Then he has 15 guys to collect his money on Sunday morning. <laughs> you know. Some of you get that on the way home. Mm. But we, we choose to rejoice. And no, notice what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. That's the command. The command is, is that you're always rejoicing in the Lord. You know, I know a young lady. Uh, to be honest with you, she's not that young anymore. But she, she's been coming to this church for a really long time. Her name is Esther. Esther has been through so many things in her life. Recently, she lost her husband. And the thing that just blows me away about Esther, and she'll probably be in the second or third service, but she sits right up front here. And the thing that just absolutely blows me away about Esther, and I've been watching her. I was a young boy when I started coming to the church, and she was already married and had some kids. So she's probably somewhere around in her late 60s, 70s. I have watched this woman go through unbelievable pain and trials in her life. 
And yet she continues to praise the Lord. I mean, I talked to Esther and she's like, but I love Jesus and I trust Jesus. Just re- she lost her husband. And then recently her house burnt down. And let me tell you something. I'm like, oh, Esther, I can't believe all this happened to you. And I'm like bemoaning and I'm grumbling for her. And she looks at me. She's like, Pastor Steve, God is good. The joy of the Lord. He he works all things out for my good. And nothing's going to steal my joy. And she just keeps on praising the Lord. And I'm watching this woman. I'm like, Lord, make me like that, God. I want to have joy deep down in my heart that no matter what happens in my life, I still have a song. I can give God the glory in the prayer. And listen to me, that's how you glorify God. When your neighbors, when your unsaved relatives and your friends, when they see you go through all those things and yet you still are singing and rejoicing and believing and blessing the Lord, man, it brings glory to God because you say, that's my father and no matter what happens, he's still good in my life. Come on, somebody say amen. I mean, I got to tell you, yesterday I went to a funeral for a family that lost their child one years old. And I was just blown away. I can't tell you, I was blown away. I spoke for a few moments, but I didn't officiate the service. I sat there in the service and the mother got up and she said, my little boy was such a strong little boy that I owe it to my little boy. He's in heaven today. But let me tell you the story. Let me tell you how many people came to know Jesus through my little boy in the last year in the hospital. Let me tell you how God was glorified in uh, his life and how God was glorified in the circumstance and situation. And did she cry? Yes. Did she weep at the funeral? Yes. But there was something deep down in her spirit, even though she saw her little boy being buried she still had joy in the inside she had unstoppable hope she had unstoppable faith why because she knows that Jesus rose from the dead and one day her son is going to rise again from the dead she knows that she has faith not in what she can see but what God can see hallelujah and hope and faith equals joy and she was able to glorify God and I turned around to Pastor Henry and I said Pastor Pastor Andrew, you get up there and share the gospel and and let people come to know Jesus as their Savior. Because some people, they've never been to a funeral before in their life when they've seen such hope, where they've seen such faith translated into such joy. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. Notice, what do we rejoice in? Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't say rejoice in your good standing or rejoice in your good situation. He says rejoice all in the Lord. Let your rejoicing, let your boasting be in the Lord. He says rejoice in the Lord. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? It means to rejoice in the goodness of the Lord. It means to rejoice in the fact that God is always good. It means that we rejoice in the love of God. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. I can rejoice in the grace of God. I'm saved by grace, not by works. I can rejoice in the mercy of God, in his mercy. 
that are new every day. I can rejoice in the wisdom of God. His ways are so much higher than my ways and his thoughts are more higher than my thoughts. And so I rejoice in the Lord. I can rejoice in the promises of the Lord. I can rejoice in the character, in the nature of God. I can rejoice in all the promises that God has made in Christ Jesus in the Lord. I can rejoice in the eternal plan of God. And I can rejoice, listen to me, because my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus' disciples, they come to Jesus one day after going out and doing ministry, and they cast out demons. And they come to Jesus, and they say to Jesus, Jesus, wow, even the demons are subject to, to us in your name. And Jesus says, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you in my name. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Rejoice because your salvation is secure. Your hope is steadfast. Your future is settled. Your faith is well placed. Your focus is upward and eternal. Your trouble is temporary. Your joy is constant. Your God and his promises are sure and certain. And Jesus' word is dependable. And nothing can stop you from having joy when you place your joy in Jesus alone. Rejoice in the Lord is unstoppable joy because it's placed in an unstoppable God. So what's your joy placed in today? Is it placed in your money? It's going to be short-lived. Is it placed in your house, in your marriage, in your career, in your security, in your sense of religious righteousness? Or is it found in Jesus? As Paul the Apostle said, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And maybe you've come here today and you're at the end of your rope because you've placed all your joy in other things other than Jesus. Today, Jesus wants to be Lord of all over every situation in your life. But Paul says not only do you rejoice in the Lord always in the Lord, but Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord to a point where you would let your gentleness be seen by everyone around you that the Lord is near. So Paul says, thirdly, he says, you can rejoice and you can be calm. He says, let, he says, let, your, gentleness, let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. In other words, don't freak out. When you go through problems in your life, don't lose it. Don't become unsettled, he said. But let your gentleness, he says, keep it together. He says, and let everyone see that you're still keeping it together, even though you're going through difficult times. He says, why? You can rejoice because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And what does he mean by that? He means that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He's near. He's near to the brokenhearted. He's right there. He's walking with you in the fire. He's walking with you in the difficult situations. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's there to help you. He's there to support you. He's there to lift you up. He's there. But not only that, Paul says, let your gentleness be known to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. In other words, Jesus is coming again. The coming of the Lord is near. When's the last time you just simply thought about the fact that at any moment, at any time, I mean, at any moment, at any time, Jesus can come back. When's the last time you rejoiced over the fact that Jesus is coming again? That he's going to make all things new again. That he's going to, 
he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. That, that every situation that we're going through today is going to be a, a vivid memory compared to the glory of Jesus coming again. Peter says it this way. We've got a living hope. We're shielded by faith. Even though we're going through difficult times, we have inexpressible joy. Why? Because Jesus is coming again. No matter what you're going through today, hold on to the fact that Jesus is coming today. You're not freaking out. You're not losing your temper. You're not getting unglued. You see, the world needs to see people that are, that are calm, that are restful, that are peaceful in the midst of the storm. In other words, Paul says, Jesus is coming. He's with us today so we can keep it together. And so... Paul the Apostle goes on to say, fourthly, as I close right now, he says, look what he says. He says, the pathway to unstoppable joy is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, do you want to experience unstoppable joy in your life? Don't worry about anything when's the last time you decided i am not going to worry about anything how many of you tend to worry let me see your hands we're in the right place how many see, let me see your hand in how many are worry do you know that's a sin to worry paul the apostle says don't worry about anything are you crazy pastor steve don't worry about anything pastor steve how can that happen don't worry about my finances don't worry about my kids don't worry about the future don't worry about the stuff that's going to perish around us paul is not saying don't be irresponsible don't be lazy he didn't say don't be wise and vigilant He's just saying, after you've done the responsible thing, don't let your life be filled with worry. But in every situation, in every circumstance, in every trial, in every decision, in every battle, in every possible scenario, he says this, bring it to God. Place it at the feet of Jesus. For Peter says, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. So Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. He says, simply present all your requests to God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Paul tells us, bring everything to God. Bring it all to God. And he says, as you bring everything to God, wrap it all up in thanksgiving. So let me tell you one last story, and we're going to close right now. I promise you. Let me tell you one last story. So my good friend, Henry Bury, wonderful man of God. Love him to death. He got, I got a phone call a couple of weeks ago from him, and he said, Pastor Steve, they found out that my daughter has a tumor on her spine. And the doctors are saying, that it could be cancerous and it's growing pretty rapidly. It's big. And they're going to have to go in there and take it out and she could be paralyzed. And worse than that, it could be cancerous. 
And I was preparing on Wednesday night. I was praying and preparing, and I was just writing down. I was just finishing my sermon. Be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Nothing. Don't worry about sickness. Don't worry about finances. Don't worry about your kids. I'm writing this down. And I get a phone call from Henry. You see, that same morning, I had been on the phone with Henry as we were interceding and praying because her daughter was going into surgery, and they didn't know what would be the outcome of the surgery. And so we were praying and and believing God for a miracle. And so about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Henry calls me up, and he says, Pastor. No, he says, Pasta. He's Jamaican. Eman, Pasta. God is good, Pasta. Oh, God is very good pasta. Well, that's kind of like African and Jamaican together. A little Spanish in there. He said, Pastor, he said, the doctors went in. They got all of the tumor out. They said they weren't going to be able to get the tumor. They got all of it out. And when they went in, they found there was no cancer. And they were able to straighten up her spine. And she's already walking today. Hallelujah. And I was so filled with joy. I was so filled with joy. And you know what? You know what he said? Listen to me. You know what he said to me? He said, Pasta. He said, I told my wife a couple of days ago, no more begging God. Now we start thanking God. Before she went in for the surgery, no more begging God. Now we make our request to God. We believe God. And we just begin to praise him and thank him. We thank him because he's a good God. We thank him because he's a faithful God. We thank him because all of his promises are yes in Christ Jesus. We thank him because we know where we're going when we die. We thank him because all things work together for the good for those who love God and according to his purpose. We thank him because his wisdom is so much greater than our wisdom. And he loves us with an everlasting love. And nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. We choose to make our our requests known to God. And we wrap it all in thanksgiving. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our mind in Christ Jesus. And we will go from glory to glory. Peace. 
brother. Hallelujah. 